Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin. I am Jeff Rubin on location with Owen Parsons. Hello. Uh, Owen, of course, uh, one of the editors of dorkly.com, draws mm-hmm. a lot of funny comics. And uh, it's Sunday, and we have decided to come to Toy Fair. Yeah. We didn't totally know what to expect. It's at the Javits Center, which is, uh, you know, the biggest convention center in New York, so maybe one of the biggest convention centers in the world. The largest space in New York, period. And uh, we just, like, had an opportunity, I don't know, like, we just got an email about a press thing, and we were like, yeah, that's a Sunday, let's go to Toy Fair. Mm-hmm. We just got here. Yeah. I brought all my stuff. I didn't know if we were going to record, but it is amazing. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. I'm it, keeping my voice down, because we're, like, in the, pre- we're in the press <laughs> area. I just, like, I was like, let's get out the mics, let's record an intro, and uh, let's, let's walk around and talk to people. Yeah. Everything's super professional and organized it's great what, what have we seen already uh we've already seen a boogie board section there's a boogie board section there's something called like glitter tattoos or something we've I seen think. a uh, a table displaying the toy toy of the year winners now here's the thing i consider myself uh you know pretty good at toys like yeah. I, I don't buy a lot of toys but sometimes i see them and i'm like i see them and i'm like a kid wouldn't really have fun with that you know mm-hmm. i think i'm a pretty discerning toy customer yeah and I looked at the Toys of the Year, and I was like, yeah, these are pretty good. There was oh, that, yeah. the, the Hot Wheels one where the – this is, I think, Toys of the Year from last year, right? And no, I think they're 2012. So there's the Hot Wheels where the wheels uh, – like the track goes on your wall, mm-hmm. and you can buy different parts of it and put together a large track. It says on the box, a lot of adult assembly required. <laughs> there, what, did it say a lot? Yeah. <laughs> there, what was the other ones? There, uh, the Lego the, Ninja the Lego thing. Ninja set. That Ninjaga. And, uh, Ninjaga. Oh, the Angry Birds board game where you can mm-hmm. like actually fling birds and knock things down. Yeah. And Ang- this is like we just got here. Yeah, Angry Birds actually won property of the year. I've never played that Angry Birds board game, but it makes sense that that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Knocking things down. All right, so we have absolutely no plan. I don't know what's going to happen. Owen said he wants to see the Lego thing. Obviously, we're going to go see the Lego thing. And uh, we're going to walk around. We'll try to talk to some people, and uh, let's, let's see what happens. Sounds good. Hey, now, kids, come gather around. See what just skipped in the town. So skip it, skip it. This is our first stop of the day, and we are here with John McGonigal, president of Jads International. We just got started. I want to go to the bathroom. We didn't even see the bathroom yet, but we saw this. We had to stop. John, you are, we are currently in a booth of Avengers and Star Trek themed colognes, and you manufacture these. Yep, colognes and perfumes for Avengers, Marvel, uh, and Star Trek, and Star Wars. We did some for Star Wars as well. Oh, and what were, what were you asking right before we started? I was asking how you make the jump from sort of just being a general, general interest in Avengers and Star Trek and things to actually creating uh, scents. It was, uh, I started in this about 25 years ago mm-hmm. in comic books. I uh, worked as a guy who wrote magazines about comic books mm-hmm. and then went from that to manufacturing toys. And then uh, at a company called Palisades Toys where we made Muppets action figures and Aqua Teen Hunger Force things and, and also to Invader Zim and all that. And then from that, uh, that requires a lot of travel back and forth to China a lot. And uh, I finally said, I'm tired of living my life in an airplane. What can I make in the United States that, uh, that hasn't been made before that I can still live off of? And I wrote it all down and said, wow, look, fragrances can fit that bill. And nobody's ever made fragrances based on characters before. They've, there's, a lot, there's a huge industry on celebrity fragrances, like your J-Lo's and your Sean John's and Justin Bieber's, number one selling celebrity fragrance last year. Uh, but nobody's ever done it based on a character. And I said, well, if nobody's done that, then we have to start, we have to see if this works. And we made a fragrance on, based on Captain Kirk. Because 
everyone wants to smell like Captain Kirk. Now, is that the is that the shirtless Kirk or the Tiberius? Tiberius was the first, uh, and that's our actually hands down our uh, our best selling Star Trek fragrance. It's mm. a it's a it, we work I work very hard on that one to make sure it it, it, it invokes a feeling of uh, of Captain Kirk. You know, uh, all of our fragrances. Somebody just a moment ago said, oh, "But who wants to smell like the Hulk?" And I said, "No, it's not it's not designed to smell like that character. It's to help you." strengthen that bond to that character on a personal level. To embody like the essence of that character. Exactly. So what does Hulk smell like? It's, uh, it's, a, it's kind of an earthy, uh, wet, uh, mossy uh, cedar fragrance. Um, at least that's what the, this fragrance smells like. But the fragrances are designed to help you feel closer to that character and be as much of a dork as you want to be. If you're walking down the hall and somebody says, hey, you smell nice, you can either say, oh, thanks, or you can say, well, I'm... I'm wearing shirtless Kirk. Thank you. And just and let them know how much of a, of a fa- fan you are. Uh, I'm wondering what else went into some of these characters. Like, what does the Iron Man scent evoke? Uh, Iron Man is actually a very sophisticated type of um, um, rich, cool-smelling guy. It was the, was the, you know, a lot of, some of the guys in the office were like, if we're going to make it an Iron Man, it has to smell like booze and oil. And, you know, and I said, right, but Marvel won't approve that. So let's focus on what it is, what's cool about Iron Man. And, and, and the fragrance itself does a very good job of, of evoking the feeling like you are much cooler than you really are. Do you have a dream scent you want to do, like a character that you'd love to make the scent for that you haven't done yet? We are, um, I said before we made the Star Wars stuff, we made that for Celebration 5 uh, for their show, the Orlando and the Slave Leia. Uh, at that time, we were working on a fragrance for, um, uh, for uh, Han Solo um, that may surface again uh, at the next show, uh, but um, uh, called Echo 7. So uh, I hope, I'm hopeful that that one will come out. I love the fact that the Lando... Uh, Cologne or is it a perfume? It's a cologne. I love the fact that the Lando Cologne has uh, has its own cape right. on the bottle. That's we were amazing. Very, a lot of the bottles, like the uh, the Slave Leia one, has a bit of flair to it. The uh, the Star Trek ones, uh, the Ponfar, which I'm so sad. I know what the Ponfar is a reference to. We'll leave that one hanging. Uh, so yeah, Slave Leia's kind of got a chain, so it seems like there's an aesthetic quality to the bottles, too. I've never bought cologne before. I don't know. That's probably, yeah. like, obvious for all cologne. The, the names here, the names on the, like, the Avengers clones, like Patriot for Captain America and Smash for the Hulk, they sound, they sound like, you know, colognes you would, you would just find in the store, but the fact that they're, they connect with these characters is very cool. Mostly cologne, uh, no perfume. Or Slave Leia is probably, Leia. looks very feminine. Black, uh, Slave Leia is, is a perfume. Black Widow from the Avengers, uh, the character uh, made popular by Scarlett Johansson. That's debatable. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> where, where can people go if they want to smell like these characters? The, the Avengers line um, ships out to retailers in March, so it'll be on the shelf in April before the movie. Uh, we're in the process of uh, shoring up exactly who's carrying those. Uh, a lot of online players will have it, but uh, this, on this particular line there are a couple of drugstores, national drugstores, as well as um, places where you buy movies. DVDs and Blu-ray will have these as well. Uh, the Star Trek stuff is all over the place. You can find it just about anywhere. This is our first stop at Toy Fair. I didn't expect to... This is not what I expected to see. This is not really a, a toy, per se. No, but it is the same market. Yeah, that I yeah, believe. Definitely. It's amazing. 
Uh, John, thanks so much for talking to us. We're going to check this out. Mm-hmm. No, no problem. Thank you. You creepin'. Oh, I'm so creepin' and crawlin'. Creep attack! Creepy crawlers! It's the creepy crawlers bug maker. You can create a creepy insect army of goo-filled crawlers. Just smash and splat. Grind them up with the creepy bug grinder. Then make them all over again. Creepy crawlers go splat and splat. Epic splat! <laughs> Creepy Crawlers, Bug Maker, Grinder, Smasher, Molds, and Refills, each sold separately. We're here with Adam and Amy Fazakerly. Did I get it right? Fazakerly uh, from Lay and Go LLC. Describe what you guys have made here. And keep in mind, no one can see it. We're going to throw in some pictures so some people can see it, but not everyone can see it. So what, what is this? No problem. Well, Lay and Go is a activity mat. We have an 18-inch version and a 5-foot version. And if you can imagine, kids get to play with things on one plane just like they're dumped out. But when it's time to clean up, it just zips up into a backpack or a little handheld bag in the 18-inch model's uh, case. And uh, cleanup is in seconds. Kids can play for hours. So it's a little, like, zone for kids to play in yeah. for, like, all your Legos. And then you just cinch the whole thing at once. You ever get the kid accidentally just in the bag? Well, you know, we, we say don't put the kid in the bag. But the best part about it is it doesn't work with just Lego. Whatever the kids are playing with at that time, you know, it's great for girls, boys, and whatever activity that they really want to uh, put their toys into. It just It's really designed to contain the mess. Um, and really the project was driven by uh, Amy, who she's our wonderful CEO. Amy, is that true? That's true. How did you get the idea for this? I got the idea because I have three boys and too many Legos, and I got frustrated with the bins and baskets. They would just dump them out, and I was using an old sheet or a tablecloth, and neither were working. So I said, why is there not something on the market that can address the storage and the cleanup in one? And hence, Lango arrived. So... Here's my question. Mm-hmm. I'm a kid. I'm playing with it. You tell me to play with all the Legos there. The first thing I'm going to do is start playing with some Legos immediately outside the mat. Has that come up yet? You know, it, it, it's we made it uh, over five feet so that they could spread out all the toys and really keep them on the mat. Now, sometimes they'll build next to it, but it's really easy to pick up one built piece and throw it back on the mat than pick up 8,000 pieces that aren't on anything. Well, we, we, also, we also product tested the sizes. Um, we found that if you go down one foot less all of a sudden there's this sprawl of toys. Um, Kids feel a little bit like it's not enough space. Um, You also can't tell kids how to play. And they actually use it as a target. Um, There's enough little toys and little cool things about it that, you know, they can put their special pieces in the pocket and it keeps them focused. Um, We've really kind of... You, you, you just can't tell them how to play with it. And the sprawl we were worried about, it hasn't been an issue, though. It seems like also, like, children have a, they've got small arms, so it's a smaller, like, play radius. It seems like that would encapsulate it pretty well. well yeah, I'd need a much bigger one yeah. <laughs> for, for my apartment. Actually, the reason we did the five-foot was it was as wide as we could go without creating a seam. So the whole idea was create a multi-generational storage unit like these multi-generational toys, the great ones that your parents pass down to you, that you pass down to your kids. Yeah, I'm seeing one of those Lego horses in there, and it's really bringing, the horse specifically with, like, the slot for the dude's legs is really bringing back a lot of memories. There is more nostalgia in these bags than you could imagine, and, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't bring the real great Lego that we have at home. We just kind of, you know, brought what we could, and, um, but, you know, adults connect with it, kids connect with it um, for different reasons, but I think that there's the common thread is it's great for the kids because they like playing with it and they get to use the toys that sometimes parents groan when you when they ask to put out and the the parents love it because it is literally play for hours and clean up in seconds. We also like to say it's a cinch literally. Oh, that's good. You guys have done this before. Where huh. can people get uh, Lay and Go? 
Currently, we're, um, we sell them at layingo.com. And we also have some great strategic uh, online vendors and some retail vendors. But the best place is layandgo.com. They can check out the videos. They can uh, really kind of get a feel for who we are, our personalities, why we did what we did, and the quality of the product. Yeah, it's something once you see, you're like, yeah, obviously that should yeah, be an invention. It's, it's a no-brainer. Layandgo.com. Thanks for talking to us, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great day. If you want to win the game, you got to take a good aim and get the most marbles with your hippo. Playing hungry, hungry hippo. Hungry Hungry Hippos is the name of the game, and whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing Hungry Hungry Hippos. Hungry Hungry Hippos. I win. Hungry Hungry Hippos from Hasbro. We are here with Karen Globus, a designer for Jazzwares Toys. Thank you for being here, Karen. Hi, thanks. So, Karen, what exactly do you design for Jazzware? Um, I work on electronics and plush, licensed electronics and plush throughout the company. So I would assume that you'd get one type of person to work on plush toys, one type of person to work on electronic toys. It seems like two different skill sets, but it's one thing. Well, usually when you're working on a license, it's best to know the license as a whole. And in, in some cases, we have both electronics and plush for our licenses, like Sonic. And knowing the brand is really important when you start designing properties. So what licenses have you worked on? I've worked on Sonic, WWE, Adventure Time, um, Star Wars. These are some of the, the yeah, heavy hitters in the toy world. These are great. Which was your favorite to work on? Um... I really, I enjoy all of them. Um, it's usually the licensors that help us enjoy what we work on because their help and their influence helps us a lot. And I really enjoy working on Star Wars, of course. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, I've, I enjoy just looking at the toys, so presumably making them and talking about them all day is fun, too. Now, for something like Star Wars or WWE, were you into that before you started working on the toys, or did you get the assignment and then have to start researching that world? For me, personally, I've had to do a lot of research. Is that fun? Being like, uh-oh, I guess i got to learn everything about Star Wars. It's actually, it's been really great. Was there any license you knew before you got into the toy designing? or? No. I, you know, you learn about them. We actually watch cartoons and the shows all day in our office. It's always on a TV, so we can always reference it. We have a huge library, and we're always doing research. It's the most important part of our job. So you have two TVs, one playing WWE and one playing Adventure Time simultaneously. One TV, okay, and we constantly change it. But two TVs—that's a great idea. I'll have to bring that idea back to the team. <laughs> I like how the Star Wars—we're in your, the, your booth, and this under the Star Wars side, it says one of the highest-grossing film franchises. You know, Star Wars. <laughs> you guys have heard it. It's very—it's a very popular thing. So, what is what's going on in the world of Star Wars? Uh, well, in the, I'm sorry, in the world of Star Wars toys. Well, we actually don't do the toys. We do the electronics and the spy items. So we develop things like MP4 players. We have a really cool R2-D2 MP4 player. So it's actually an MP4 player in the shape of R2. An MP4 player meaning like it plays videos? Videos and music. We are also launching earbuds for 2012 as well as headphones. And we have some really cool spy items like a listening device so you can hear people from far away. All our spy stuff is uh, based on um, everything from the movie. Not just characters, also the... So it's like Star Wars tech. Yeah, all the tech. Now, Owen, I know, I like Adventure Time, but I'm Owen over here Adventure is Time a fan. huge Adventure Time fan. So I'm going to ask for Owen's sake, what is going on with Adventure Time Jazzware toys? Well, actually, for 2012, we're going to be launching electronics as well. So earbuds, headphones, iPhone cases, all sorts of stuff. Um, we launched a whole line for 2011, and it's been doing really well for us. We have everything from 2-inch collector packs to 5-inch figures to plush. The Slamacows are a great item for us. And for 2012, we're bringing on more figures 
figures, more characters, more plush, and the electronics. For something like Star Wars or Adventure Time, where it's liked by seven-year-old boys, but also by me and Owen, do you ever have to factor in, like, adults are playing with this too, or is it, are you just working for children, and if we like it, that's a bonus? Well, we also think about if we ourselves like it, and we're kind of the older kids as well, so we always think about all age grades. How did you get this job? Did you go to make a wish to be big one day and then you woke up and become a toy designer? How does it actually happen? Well, I always loved design and I started off in the ad agencies and I wanted something a little bit more. And so I got into toys. WWE toys, what's, what's new there? We do the electronics for WWE, so we do everything from alarm clocks with sound, and we we recently got to work with them on some rock items for WrestleMania, which has been really cool. He actually reviews all the items himself. Oh, the, the rock items. I, it took me. I was like, maybe they're rocking, like you know, like the Marty Janetti. But I'm just imagining the, the rock like stone faced in a room by himself, just like ju- judging the articulation on the rock figure, yeah, making he, sure. He reviews everything himself, so you know that's pretty cool. Really cool stuff. This is a this was a fun booth to stop. You guys got Sonic, Mortal Kombat, all the big ones are here. Absolutely. All the big ones are here. We didn't even talk about Fruit Ninja, but yeah, there's, a, there's a huge Ninja Fruit Ninja display. Fruit Ninja is another big one for 2012. Fruit Ninja is an interesting one because there's no like character for it, like there's for Sonic or Star Wars, uh, and yet it's still becoming the same kind of brand where it's next to Power Rangers and Adventure Time. Yeah. Well, we're not just doing fruit. We're creating characters for the fruit. Yeah, I see a lot of uh, fruit with ninja headbands. Yeah, and we have the sounds from the game, the squirt sounds, and we have a light-up blade that actually makes the swoosh sounds. And I'm seeing you're standing right in front of it. There's an interactive game that's just fruit ninja. Is that what this is? Yeah, it's a fruit ninja. It's um, like an interactive game. So you basically have a console that you plug into your TV, and then you have a wireless sword and you slice the fruit with the sword. It's, it's, it's a console for your TV that does nothing but play Fruit Ninja, and it comes with a sword, and it's awesome. It's great. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Jake Rockwell, Ace McLeod, and Doc Terry sold separately. Trouble up forever, Jake, and it does this mode. Let's do it. I name this Doc Terror Dam. Centurion, take this. Energize the power mode. Bullet the way. New Centurions, Jake Rockwell, Ace McLeod, and Doc Terror come as shown, each sold separately. All right, we are now at the Speedstacks display, mm-hmm. talking to Bob Fox, founder and CEO of Speedstacks. Thanks for being here, Bob. Thanks for having me, guys. What is Speedstacks? Well, Speedstacks is, uh, at first sight, it's kind of a quirky-looking thing, but it's uh, we call it sport stacking with, with Speedstacks. So kids are stacking these specially designed plastic cups at lightning speed. We call it a track meet for your hands at lightning speed. And I, this is something I think I've seen a lot of videos online. Mm-hmm. I'm biased. I work on a comedy website, but they... I've seen you've seen this online of people stacking videos, stacking cups, videos of people stacking cups and unstacking them really quickly. But what I'm seeing here is uh, specialized equipment for that. Oh yes, these it's, are not just red solo cups. That's exactly right. Although we've seen lots of people try with red solo cups, but these are specially made for sport stacking. They've got holes in the cups to allow for airflow, and they're specially uh, designed with uh, grip and, and so on and so forth. And what are the mats that they're stacking on? Those look special, too. Yeah, we call them a stack mat, and it's got an integrated timer so that you can uh, mm. s- set personal records and compete in, in competition. We have a world championships. We've got a U.S. Nationals, and kids compete individually. They compete on doubles teams where one person's the right hand, one's the left. We have relay races, two teams of four. Yeah. So it looks like you have to start by putting both your hands on a timer to, like, register that you're mm-hmm. starting, and then you have to return to the timer at the end of it. And this is a specialized piece of equipment 
just for speed stacking, just for timing it, like those chess clocks, but for speed stacking. You get, you, that's exactly right. In fact, the Rubik's community uses all of our timing system for their tournaments as well, for speed cubing. What is like a speed stacking record? What's a, what's a good, what, what, what's like a good milestone to go for? How do you know you're good? Yeah, sure. Well, there's three different competitive uh, stacks. One's called a 3-3-3. And if I taught that to you today, you'd do it in about 10 seconds. The world record is 1.61 seconds. And then the, the, the premier stack is called the cycle stack. There's 40 different moves. If I taught that to you guys today, it would be uh, about, about a minute you'd do it in, 60 seconds. World record is under six seconds, 5.91. And it's mostly kids competing in this? There's kids demonstrating it right now, even as I speak these words. Oh, yeah. We have kids uh, all ages and adults. We start kids as young as uh, typically in kindergarten. But uh, we've got all the way through senior citizens that are stacking. And, in fact, we have college kids stacking, too. So is, are there separate leagues for different age groups, or is it sort of just like a general everyone's involved? Yeah, well, at our competitions, we actually have different age divisions mm-hmm. that you compete in. So all the different ages can come to a tournament and compete in their age division. So we actually have a, you know, an 18 and under division. We have a collegiate division, 19 to 25, masters and seniors divisions as well. I'm seeing also a, a reel of speed stacking appearances in the media, and there's on Craig Ferguson in the news, but I'm also seeing just speed stacking taking place within shows. Like, I think I saw Phineas and Ferb and maybe another Disney show where the characters are getting into speed stacking. Yeah, it's so visual that uh, television loves us. So, in fact, we were just uh, in, integrated into a Nike commercial recently uh, because it's so visual and it's physical as well. And does Speed Stacks, the manufacturer of this equipment, also run the tournaments? Well, the tournaments are run by the World Sport Stacking Association, which is the governing body for the sport. It's like the NFL of sport stacking. I see. And you manufacture equipment for it. Uh, Yeah, and Speed Stacks manufactures the equipment, and the WSSA, World Sports Stacking Association, governs the sport with tournaments. Really cool stuff. Now, I know you said there are like a few typical formations that people stack in. Is there ever like any any kind of freestyle stacking or... Yes, there is, yeah. Although it's not official competition, but we encourage freestyle stacking, and we see more and more kids that are creating routines, much like you'd see... uh, a creative juggling routine or a jump roping routine. Mm-hmm. So I think over time, as we, uh, we'll actually integrate that into our tournaments, that we have a freestyle uh, stacking uh, section of the tournament. That's great. Right now, it's un- underground. Like yeah, people. Oh, yeah. These are people on the fringe of the sport. That's right. That's right. They're breaking all the rules. Oh yeah. Yeah. So people can check this out at speedstacks.com. Uh, thanks so much for talking to us, Bob. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> We are here with Joseph Smith. Joseph, what, what did you? What are we looking at here? This is one of your creations. This is you're looking at the uh, new line of Angry Birds products from Connects that's going to launch in the fall of this year, 2012. So this is the Connects interpretation of Angry Birds. Were you an Angry Birds fan before you started working on the project? Yes, we've been Angry Birds fans for a long time. Started talking to them about a year ago, and after all the things you go through to try to get a license. We finally signed a license back in January, and we're rushing, doing everything we can to get it out for this year. 
and our our biggest point of difference was bringing the gameplay that people are playing on their digital devices and recreating that in reality. So it, it, it brings the brand into realities. It seems like the biggest decision when making an Angry Birds toy is that mechanism that launches the birds. That's really the entire game. How did you go about that? Well, we wanted to do it just like the game originally, do a, 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 a slingshot, but we knew it wasn't safe for kids to play that way with the, the birds flying across. They could shoot each other in the face. So we had to develop a, a launcher that was what we call kid-powered. So there's only one way to shoot it, and the kid has to actually put the bird in and then pinch them together. That way they can't put any other things in the launcher and shoot them. I see. So you wanted them to make sure they were only launching these birds and not like tennis balls or ball bearings or whatever. Did you ever consider doing an adult version where you could put ball bearings in the slingshot? Well, we have that at the office, but we're not allowed to sell it. Right, right. Do you, you build the towers yourself? Like, you design your own, essentially, what are the levels from the game? Right. You know, the, the big selling point to Rovio, who, who manufactures Angry Birds, was that you not only recreate what you see on the game, but then you go and create your own builds as well. So we have lots of parts and pieces, both connects, bricks, and rods and connectors. And so for a low price point, you get about 25 pieces. At a higher price point, you get about 200 pieces. And you can build with our instructions exactly what you see in the game, but then kids will learn the system. They'll get in, they'll start making their own constructions to build and knock down and kill the pigs. So are there challenge levels to each of these stages like there is in the game? There is. In the instructions, there's going to be a simple build up to a more expert build. It's designed for a five-year-old kid, and we know the limitations of what a five-year-old kid can do. So we put in a simple build for a five-year-old kid and then hopefully teach them through the instruction process how to become better builders. It's cool because I remember when I played with Kinex growing up, that Kinex was always kind of physics-based. Like they had the roller coasters and the, the Ferris wheel. There was always like a lot of movement with with Connect. So it, Angry Birds makes a lot of sense. What else is going on in the world of Connects? Well, last year we had a big successful launch with our Nintendo line of construction toys with Mario Kart. And These are Mario Kart Connect toys. Specifically Mario Kart as opposed to, say, Mario Galaxy or Mario World. They, they're, they're on the cart. Nintendo works it that you license a particular game, and our particular game is Mario Kart Wii. So can you drive the carts? That's got to be the first question. You can. The, uh, what we're representing here is some of the low-priced items with a bike you build, a motorized, spring-powered cart you build, and over on the wall, a little harder to see, but we actually have battery-powered motors and full track sets that range anywhere from $25 to $150. Cool. Wow. Very exciting stuff. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. Splash Barbie doll smells like a tropical flower and comes with fragrance for you. Doll sold separately. We are now in the Duncan booth mm-hmm. talking to Brandon Jackson, the National Sales and Marketing Coordinator for Duncan Yo-Yos. Uh, thanks for talking to us. Glad to talk with you. So what is new in the world of yo-yos. Oh, there's lots of stuff that's new with yo-yos. We've got yo-yos that change shapes with spacers that you insert into them. We've got- oh, okay, so let's take that. Let's, we've got to take these one at a time. Okay. This is, I, I don't know, first of all, we're on radio, which is maybe not the best way to describe this, but uh, I don't know how familiar this audience is with yo-yos, so there's different shapes of yo-yos. There's the classic circle, and then there's the butterfly shape. Correct. Um, 
a lot of people refer to the shapes as an imperial shaped yo-yo or a butterfly shaped yo-yo or a standard or wide shaped yo-yo. And something for the past 50 years or so has been just a yo-yo has been one or the other. And we've developed a product that we have, a, uh, it's patent pending right now, that allows you to insert spacers to change the shape of the yo-yo. What's the advantage? Why would someone use a butterfly shape over another type of shape? There's different types of tricks. And for a standard shaped yo-yo, you would use it for looping tricks, just like uh, around the world, uh, loop the loop, um, up and down, just basic tricks like that. With a butterfly shaped yo-yo, um, it's actually good for string tricks to where you can do crazy, like, tricks that you're doing intricate string passes through the yo-yo into the gap of the yo-yo and things like that. So there's there's a big difference between looping tricks and string tricks, and that's the, the difference between the two shapes. And now you can do both of them with one yo-yo. Correct. Okay, so I cut you off. What else is going on in yo-yo land? Yo-yo land. Yo-yo land. That's what I meant to say. Um, well, a big thing right now with uh, many of the advanced yo-yo players are precision machined yo-yos uh, made it from aluminum. They're perfectly balanced, smooth, um, and we've introduced a new series of products called the Deluxe Series of Yo-Yos that retail for around 40 to 45 US dollars. Um, sorry, I just got back from Germany, so I've been used to saying US dollars. <laughs> but uh, about around 40 to 45 dollars that are amazing Yo-Yos, and that's what the pros really want now is a Yo-Yo that's perfectly balanced. Um, so What's going on in Germany? Uh, Nuremberg Toy Fair. The, uh, one of the largest toy fairs in the world, yeah. So Yo-Yos are popular just around the world? Oh, yeah. And there is the trick around the world, so yeah. Perfect, perfect. Um, what, what else is uh, going on? There's tons of new stuff here. So it seems Duncan's such a classic, classic brand, and yet it seems like you guys are still innovating. Oh, definitely. We, uh, we're mostly known for yo-yos, but we also manufacture juggling equipment, foot bags, um, spin tops, gyroscopes, and things like that. So we're all Anything you can do on the quad. Yes, exactly. Um, we've got um, our yo-yos. Uh, we've got an accessories line, which is string, parts for your yo-yos, et cetera, instructional DVDs and things like that. And uh, we just developed a new uh, Diablo, which is familiar to a lot of jugglers out there. Uh, that's, that's like the, it's like an hourglass-shaped thing that you spin around. Like, a, it kind of looks like a giant yo-yo with two sticks. Um, and we've got a Diablo that features a one-way bearing that's very popular right now. Um, and let's see, we also, uh, something that's big, I don't know if a lot of your listeners will know them, but one of our most popular products is called the Butterfly. And that yo-yo is a fixed axle yo-yo that really spins for about 10 seconds or so. Well, we just updated that model with a ball bearing axle, which reduces all the friction from the string rubbing the axle, allowing it to spin for minutes at a time. So that's, that's a pretty awesome product that we're proud of this year. Did you start working at Duncan before you knew anything about yo-yos, or were you a yo-yo fan that was attracted to the company? I grew up as a, as a Duncan yo-yo player. I first played with my first Duncan yo-yo when I was five years old. So um, for a long time, for me, it was a dream of mine to become a Duncan yo-yo professional and get sponsored by Duncan and be put on the team and stuff. And so in 2008, I think it was, I was actually invited to join the team, and it made my life. And I was like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm a Duncan professional now. And then after being on the team for about nine months, they offered me the position. So here I am working my dream job. Wow. That's great. Is it everything you dreamed it would be? Pretty much. It's pretty awesome. I'm curious about these uh, these counterweight yo-yos that I see displayed here. Well, what's the difference between that and a regular yo-yo? Well, a counterweight yo-yo is a yo-yo that instead of t- uh, attaching the string to your finger, you attach the finger loop at the end to a counterweight, which would be a small uh, object like a canceled casino die, like a die with a, a hole drilled through it. And what that allows you to do is let go of the counterweight mid-trick and do aerial stuff and throw it around, almost like nunchucks. It's pretty cool. So there are moments where you... Instead of tying it to your finger, there's just this like small, let's say dice-shaped, dice-shaped weight just floating around. So there's moments where you might not even be in contact with the yo-yo at all. And what's cool is you can even look on YouTube for things like counterweight yo-yo or freehand yo-yo, mm-hmm. and you'll see the tricks that people can do with it. We also manufacture yo-yos that you don't even attach to the string at all. It's just a, they're called off-string yo-yos, so you can throw the yo-yo up in the air. 
sort of like a Diablo, throw it 30 feet in the air, catch it back on the string, do maneuvers, and then bring it back to your hand, and it's not connected at all. Has YouTube done a lot for yo-yos? Because it seems like a great way to show off yo-yo tricks and learn from the best and see new things that you may have even never thought of. Well, up until about 19, let's say 1999, yo-yos were all about, uh, are all being taught by trick books and old VHS tapes. Well, in around 1999 and 2000, when the internet started taking off, people started making instructional videos and putting them online. And when people could just easily watch these videos without having to pay anything for them, you know, the knowledge was free, yo-yoing blew up. And since then, you know, with the popularization of YouTube growing out of control, people can create instructional videos for free, put them online, and it, it spreads because kids get on there for free, learn the tricks, and it just keeps on progressing. And so those kids that learn eventually put their own yo-yo videos online, and it just it keeps growing and growing just because of YouTube, actually. Do you feel like the availability of all those different uh, YouTube videos and tricks and things to sort of raise the bar for what, what constitutes like a YouTube, a, a, a yo-yo professional? Definitely. Not only because of the instructional content, but because now you can actually watch yo-yo contests in different states and countries that before, if you weren't there, you didn't get to see it. So now kids are watching a contest, for instance, a couple weekends ago was the European Yo-Yo Championship in Prague, and a kid in, you know, Tennessee can watch the champions in Europe competing against each other, doing the hardest tricks that they can do, and then the kids will actually learn those tricks that those competitors were doing, and it's pretty cool. Really cool stuff. If you, if you could only have, do you have like, I mean, I was going to ask if you could only have one yo-yo, but I, I'm just assuming you have like a suitcase full of them, I and you choose the appropriate one for the occasion. Oh, I've got tons of yo-yos, probably well over 500. Oh my God. What is, is, is there one that if you could only have one yo-yo, your desert island yo-yo? My desert island yo-yo. Well, we manufacture a yo-yo called the FH0, and it does come with the counterweights, and it's the perfect shape that I like, so that's my favorite, mm -hmm. the FH0. It seems like the two-in-ones where you could change the shape would be a, an ideal yeah. desert island yo-yo, too. Is it? it could be, but, you know, it depends on the player. A player, a yo-yo player will have a preference of one or the other string tricks or looping tricks, and I'm, I'm more of the string trick kind of player. It's cool, because Duncan, I, I keep saying this, but it's got to be one of the more classic brands on the floor here. I noticed uh, on your badges it said you've been here at Toy Fair for something like 18 years. Is that right? This is our 18th year at Toy Fair here oh, in wow. New York, but our brand was uh, founded in 1929, so we're 83 years old. And it's cool to see that you're st like you're still innovating the classic yo-yo. It's not mm -hmm. done yet, and, or, and maybe never will be. Pretty much. Yo-yos are always evolving, and it seems like such a simple toy that's just up and down. Mm -hmm. But you've got technologies now. We're making yo-yos out of plastic. Um, wood, um, aluminum. Uh, we even have a yo-yo that retails for around $450 called the Freehand MG, which is machined from magnesium. And, I mean, you've got different materials, different response systems, different parts, different styles. The yo-yo keeps on evolving, and it's pretty cool. How many $450 yo-yos do you sell? Um, we do them in very limited runs of about 200 a year. So I think so far we've sold maybe around 800 or so since we... Wow made those yeah it's cool because uh, i think another thing people don't realize about yo is is what a high end like that there's these high end yo-yos and like these 40 and 50 dollar and it's not just a kid's toy yeah i love that it's this combination of uh, like these very high end like very fine-tuned pieces of equipment and at the same time you you're modifying the fh0 so it has lights because lights mm -hmm. are really cool you got the skulls on the counterweights because it's, it's also like a fun toy well you've got you've got a kid's market mm -hmm. of a, a beginner that's never even touched a yo-yo You've got the players market to appeal to the yo-yo players that are established, um, you know, with yo-yos and tricks and things. So they just want to keep, they want to buy something better later. So we've got, you know, that market. And then we also have the pro market. 
and then the collector's market. And that $450 yo-yo, it's an amazing playing yo-yo, but it's more for the collector that wants to say, hey, I have a $450 yo-yo. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Duncan, yo-yos, thank you so much for talking to us. You're welcome. Dragon Blaster, Skeletor, Fisto, Roboto, and He-Man figures each sold separately. Roboto, Jack, your Dragon Blaster can't stop the most powerful And thus concludes our big day at Toy Fair. What do you think, Owen? It was a big day. It was great. There was an, a remarkable amount of stuff. Yeah, it in was this really, in this convention center. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I'm usually so again we're at the Javits Center, which is this huge convention center. I've and they filled it up. And I'm usually only here for Comic Con. I don't think I I've been to the car show when I was a kid once or twice, but mm-hmm. I, I've really only been here for Comic Con. And this is something we talked about a lot during the day was just how much more pleasant. You know, I love Comic Con. You know, I love people dressed as anime characters. I don't know, but it was, because this is just exhibitors, mm-hmm. it's it was, very professional. Yeah, and like it's not crowded, and you can walk around and talk to people. It, it was it was a lot of fun. All professionals and us. I'd say that yeah. virtually everyone had absolutely no idea what to do with us when we showed up. And it's we true, were like, we didn't have business cards. Yeah, we didn't have business cards. Uh, they were like, "What? What, do we, what kind of toys do you guys usually cover? What are you looking for here?" And yeah. we, we just didn't know. So I think that it's not. For fans of toys, we sort of snuck in a little to, to a degree, and oh, we're, speak, we're covering it. We're and like, the biggest fans of toys, kids, mm-hmm. completely absent. It no is, one under eighteen admitted to Toy Fair, which is so cruel because there are toys to play with everywhere. And I appreciate that toys are a big business, and that these professionals need time to analyze them and talk to the creators. But they should really have a day where they let the kids in here. Yeah, I was saying I really wanted to see the security, uh, the security guard whose job it was to go through Toy Fair and find the 12-year-old that had snuck in or had camped out overnight and throw them out of the building. Now, we, uh, you, what you guys have heard so far is all the people that we stopped to to talk and interview, but we, uh, we stopped and looked at it quite a bit more than yeah. that. We've been here for a few hours. What were from some of the more interesting things you saw that we didn't already uh, interview someone about? Uh, I like the booth that was just devoted to marbles. Yeah, there was a lot of, like, that's what's so cool. There's a lot of, like, classic toys. Like, yeah. like one booth was just, like, it looked like just the shit you'd find in the drugstore toy aisle. Yeah, just, like, crappy toys, but they're here. Every type of bikes, uh, outdoor huge, toys, eco toys, like, all types of toys. So many. Eco uh, toys. I didn't even know that was a type of yeah, toy, but it's an aisle. A lot of environmental friendly games. toys. Booths devoted to checkers. Booths devoted to right. uh, wooden toys, there tin was that, toys. The one place had, like, really nice boards. Like, they had a nice Monopoly board. They had a nice... Uh, Scrabboard. They had the most regal clue board I've ever seen with like little die cut rooms. No one could possibly so enjoy ostentatious. clue. No one likes clue this much. Yeah. No one likes clue this much. We saw the Lego hut. That was mm-hmm. kind of cool. Saw all the cool new uh, Lego things coming out. Because Lego's doing Star Wars mm-hmm. and they've just re upped with Star Wars. They're going to be doing Lego. We learned they're going to be doing Lego Star Wars toys for another 10 years, yeah. which is very exciting. They, they had Marvel and DC, which was cool, because I like seeing, like, Lego Deadpool, Lego Hulk, yeah. seeing all their And both those, both those sets fully compatible. You can have yeah. Hulk fight Batman. Right. And uh, what, what was the other Lego? Th- oh, they, they had some a, Lego Lord of the Rings. They did not have any Lego Hobbit yet, but they had some Lego Lord of the Rings, which is new. They had a sign-up saying they will have Lego Hobbit soon. Uh, Lego Dino Park. Some oh, sort of yeah. Jurassic Park-esque thing. Yeah, it looked very... We I think we were not the only people talking about Jurassic Park when we looked at them, mm-hmm. but they're not an official Jurassic Park license. Right. Uh, what else did we see that was cool? Uh, the Lego had a monster set. Oh, yeah, they're doing, like, just classic monsters fighting. That and, was kind of cool. And they're, they're, they're re-upping on their uh, their ninja series. What was that called? Toy of the Year or Ninjago? something. Ninjago? Ninjago, huge for Lego. Mm-hmm. 
I uh, saw a lot of Angry Bird stuff. I know you guys heard us talk to the people that make the Connects Angry Bird set, but we saw like Angry Bird plushes, T-shirts, another Angry Birds game, uh, Angry Birds dolls, just Angry Bird stuff everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it's huge here and Fruit Ninja too. So you're seeing like a lot of those. And it's interesting to see those casual games break into traditional toys and games. Yeah, it was especially interesting to see the companies that had rights to make certain types of toys based on a license. Like right when when they could, when they could make um, when we talked to the person who designed all the, the Star Wars, but only Star Wars electronics or only Star Wars spy electronics. Yes. Even more specifically, Star Wars is obviously everywhere. Mm-hmm. A lot of cool action figures. Uh, a lot of cool, like, science toys. Like, we stopped at that one place. I didn't even take pictures of this. I can't, I'm sorry, Enhanced Edition listeners. Not even you could appreciate this. <laughs> There's, like, this weird, like, sand that doesn't get wet and these, like, balls made of water. Just, like, cool science toys like that. Yeah. I'd say that was my favorite part. I like seeing... First of all, I like toys. I like seeing all the toys. The Legos, obviously. The action figures. I think it's all fun to... Just to look at, really. That's what uh, you do with toys when you're an adult. You mash them around and oh, make yeah. sense. You just admire them. Uh, and that's kind of my favorite part of Comic-Con, so it was cool seeing only that. But my favorite part of the show is the new toys, the stuff you haven't heard of yet, because mm-hmm. they're all, uh, they're all like a new idea, like someone had a new idea for a game. And like basically each one is an idea for a toy or a game or something like that. And it's cool to see, I don't know, a lot of the creators are there and very passionate about it, and it's cool to see that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people anxious to pull you aside and start talking yeah. to you. We like the, developed the, our skill for the being bo- like, no thank you. Board Game Alley was very dense with all these different types of games. We got pulled aside by someone who I don't I don't think spoke a lot of English, but was really excited about his like face-making card oh, game. Oh, God. I, I feel so bad that we're not remembering the name. It was like Q-Kids or something, which maybe was a cute parody, but it was like a matching game with... It's very easy to describe. The pitch is very simple. It's mm-hmm. a, it is a matching game with kids' faces as the things you're matching. And you have to, kids making funny faces, and you have to make the face to request that card. And That's you stick right. out your tongue if the answer is no. Mm-hmm. So, as much as I didn't want to be there and go look at other stuff while we were playing it, I have to admit, when I like, stuck out, when I was like, Do you have any of these? And I like stuck out my tongue, it was, it was kind of, fun. Yeah. I, I couldn't help but smile a little bit. We had uh, a karmic, karmic board game. Yeah, we talked to the karmic people. Um, they, they made a game about karma. So, just like a lot of interesting ideas, just new types of things. One cool one. And I don't, I don't usually jibe with the preschool toys. I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing a, you know, big boy stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had the Very Hungry Caterpillar, the classic book. And it was this huge, very hungry caterpillar, about the size of my torso. Mm-hmm. And inside was a blankie. Like, you unroll it. And, and the blanket a, was like its butterfly wings that it eventually would grow. Oh, I didn't even get that yeah. part. Oh, my God. It's even better than I thought it was. So that was pretty badass. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> That was the most badass the Very Hungry Caterpillar has ever been. A lot of candy. We ate. There was one thing where uh, there was like a, a bear-shaped fondue maker, and I was like, "Do kids really want to make their own fondue? Is that something they're requesting?" But you know what? It wasn't bad. Well, you know, if if a toy is going to introduce your child to fondue and the art of fondue making, it might as well be a cartoon bear. And a lot, and you got a hint of this with the yo-yo guy, but a lot of like kickaboos and like different like games F- being fushigos, dead. yeah, and, and like yo-yo type toys, juggling mm-hmm. toys being a lot of by a lot of like who are good at them. A lot of high school interns or college interns who had been trained for, who had like received a one week trainer course on how to use this particular toy now that I think about it and we didn't talk much about the kids that were at the cup stacking thing when we were at the cup stacking thing, but yeah. I think those may have been the only kids I saw all day doing the cup stacking those kids ki- demonstrating they it. were at work I believe, and they were very serious I believe were, that was in violation of some sort of <laughs> child labor law were, they did not look like they were having fun I'm sure they were having fun I'm sure they were stack stackers is very nice to them but oh yeah uh, but they, it was, it was they, not it was not play it was very serious they, and competitive they had clearly been there stacking cups all day <laughs> yeah. and they're somewhere stacking cups even now 
so tons tons of cool stuff. I would love to come back next year. I we really like came on kind of a whim, and I didn't know if we'd enjoy it. But as soon as we got here, I was like, we got to record. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and thank you so much for uh, for joining me no on problem. this adventure. Any other last second? I feel like we saw so much. I know we're forgetting something. Any other last second toys we should talk about? Uh. I like those that suction cup bow and arrow was cool. Oh, and the marshmallow and the gun. marshmallow guns. There was marsh. There were these marshmallow guns. I wish we had a video cam. This this whole thing would be better as video. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is this is a tough this is a tough one for the podcast format. But they, they had marshmallow guns. They had marshmallow bow and arrows. Marshmallow double barreled shotguns. And the marshmallow, marshmallow guns, guns were good. Yeah. Like it it. It shot like when I fired that first blast. It had it had a li- not obviously not a lot of kickback. No one got injured or anything, but it had a little more a little more oomph than I thought it no, would. No, it, it like a little cloud of compressed air came out when you fire that into the ceiling. Also, the marshmallow people very lax attitude about where you shot the marshmallows. <laughs> a lot of yeah, firing them into the ceiling, and you could reach the ceiling of the Javits Center with some of the big ones. Yeah, there were a lot they of marshmallows. They come down in other boots. They didn't seem to mind. A lot of marshmallow stains on the ceiling of the Javits Center. Um, so that was a cool one. Uh, that and the the race car that was powered by like Diet Coke that you would shake up and attach to the race car and open up. Yeah. Really, really added to like a theme of just wasting food. <laughs> We've got so much food, we're literally playing with it. <laughs> uh, really cool. Owen, thank you again. Uh, I don't know, anything else? No, no. I mean, this is great. Awesome. Thanks again, Owen. Thank you. Let me begin this outro by saying that if you are interested in any of the toys or products or fragrances that you heard about in this week's Jeff Rubin, Jeff Rubin Show, uh, I'm going to post links to all of them on my blog, and I'm going to include a link to that posting in the info for this file, so you have no excuse. Also, I realized when I went back and listened to this episode that because we were in the press area and we were trying to keep our voices down and we were trying to rush, that I just kind of breezed right over introducing Owen. So if you're not familiar with the work of Owen Parsons, he works at College Humor and at Dorkly, where he writes a lot of the Dorkly bits, as well as the Dorkly comics, and he illustrates them. And he's fucking awesome. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me, Owen, and thank you listeners for coming on this adventure with us. This was a really fun one, and we have another fun episode coming next week. I probably say that every week, but it's so true. I mean, I pick the guests, so I always think it's going to be fun. But next week, I think you guys are going to be on board with me. We're going to be talking to Oren Brimmer, who is a producer at The Daily Show. He produces a lot of the field segments with the correspondents where they leave the studio and go talk to people, and we're going to be talking about how they do that. Really looking forward to that. It will be up on Tuesday, and I'll let you know. I'm going to go a step further and remind you that it's up, but I need you to do something first. I can only do that if you follow me on Twitter, where I am at Jeff Rubin Show, on my Tumblr at jeffrubinjeffrubin.com, on YouTube at youtube.com slash jeffrubinjeffrubin, or on my Facebook fan page. Thanks again for listening, everybody. You have absolutely no idea how much I appreciate it. I will talk to you more next week. Bye.